This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. City are still sleepy in the market. One legend could be out the door and another has just retired from football altogether. It's Wednesday the 26th of July. I'm Amos Murphy. And I'm David Powell. And this is the City Report Podcast. Joining me today is a man with over 60,000 followers on TikTok. We are very much in esteemed company. David, how's your summer been? How are you? And are you ready to kick it all off again? Yeah, I mean, the, the summer's been fantastic. Still um, dining out on the treble win. I've not been back on the podcast since the uh, the three trophies. So yeah, I'm still still taking it all in. Summer's been nice, albeit I'm sure it's been mentioned a few times already. The weather's been rubbish in England, but yeah, I'm, I'm ready for the season now. I think it it kicked in about a week ago. I was like, I think I'm ready again now. I'm, I'm ready for football on a Saturday night. I'm just like, what do you talk about? There's nothing on TV. I'm, I'm ready for City to come back again. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I, I know, I know the feeling. Um, it's been, I think I'm, I'm slowly, slowly getting there, seeing the pre-season friendlies and I'm not really one for pre-season friendlies usually. But seeing them get played out, obviously, City have had a couple, and and it's just it's just about just about getting me there. Um, but we'll for the first part of today's show, we'll do a little bit of a news roundup before we get into something a little bit more exciting in the second part. But as I'm probably sure most of you are aware, spoiler alert: there hasn't been that much news. We'll start with Kyle Walker though, because his situation seems to be lingering in the air just enough to get something squeezed out of it to speak about albeit like I said not so much um the latest update from Jack Gorn of the Daily Mail is saying that Bayern Munich is still pushing ahead looking to sign uh Kyle Walker City want to keep Kyle Walker it's been a little bit throughout the summer 
maybe um, not sure where City stood. There was some reports of a contract extension. There was some reports that they were happy to let him go. It appears now that City are wanting to keep Kyle Walker, albeit they would, as usual with all the players, not stand in his way if he did want to leave. Um, David, this is this has caused a little bit of a divide, I have to say, of people sort of saying, okay, Kyle Walker, your time has come. You were fantastic for us, but clearly, you know, you're not, up to the scratch that is maybe needed for a 30, 40, 50 game season and others saying that, no, he's, he's a great option to have off the bench. You know, just look at the way he handled Vinicius Jr., for example, or, uh, or, or in the other matches towards the back end of the campaign. Where do you fall in that spectrum, if at all? Uh, do you have any opinions on Kyle Walker? This episode is brought to you by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club is fighting for a chance at promotion. These two Hollywood stars lead a team in the midst of history in the making, while dedicated staff and supporters hold on to a dream of returning the team and this working-class town in Wales to glory. FX's Welcome to Wrexham premieres September 12th on FX. Stream on Hulu. I mean, I've, I've sat back and listened to all the uh, the debates we've had on the uh, the podcast and stuff. And I think the back end of last season, I was saying, let's keep him. I think if you wanted a traditional fullback, there's still probably not that many better than him. But I think over the over the summer, and I think Adam said it so many times, there's, there is just no room for him in the starting eleven and the system that Pep's playing. Don't think Pep's going to suddenly change his system again. And... I, th- I think without knowing the exact stats, he did start picking up. That ankle just seemed to keep getting worse and worse, didn't it, over the last, whether it was 12 months or two seasons. He he seemed to be out two or three times a year and he's the wrong end of 30, wrong side of 30, sorry. So if Bayern Munich really want him, he's thinking about a new challenge. I think it would be the right thing for him to to move on now. I don't think he'd be in our starting eleven. I probably don't think he'd be even in our like sort of rotated second back four either. I think he's way down the pecking list now. So if he wants to leave, it's a fantastic opportunity to go to Bayern Munich as well. I mean, it's a it's a big, big club. So I wouldn't begrudge him leaving. It's interesting because there's been in that Jack Gorn piece, there was there was a line about how the City players apparently are pushing for him to stay. So he's obviously revered and he's obviously loved within the dressing room and you can see why we see his characteristics and we know his personality even you know the sketchy stuff behind closed doors that that leaks every now and again but do you think there's potentially a fear with with Ilkay Gundogan having gone already Riyad Mahrez having pretty much gone already one or two other players in that core group who may be moved on as well before the end of the window is the is the only sort of for me? I think if he wanted to go, then it's a great time to leave. You're never going to get a better chance to do a refresh. But at the same time, is, is there a fear that perhaps he's one too many in terms of that that core leadership group? You know, it, I suppose it depends what City wants to do next season. But assuming, like we know, Pep, they want to go after more trophies, do a a back to back treble or even the quadruple. Is he vital to that or is it better to get him gone if he is going to be wanting to play 30, 40 matches of the campaign, which I think everyone, even Kyle Walker perhaps would admit he isn't up to scratch anymore to do. Yeah, I think um, in terms of that sort of like leadership group and the experience he's got, it it would be a loss, especially with Gundogan going. Mares, who who seems to be quite a a well-thought-after person, speaks very well as well on interviews that if we were to lose all three, maybe even Bernardo as well, who knows what's going on there? But if we lost three to four of them, I think it would be a bit of a problem. Um, but 
I, like I said, I think in terms of his personality, it always came across like he was like a well-liked person in the change room. He had he brought a bit of like fun and energy there. But I think Erling Haaland and Jack Grealish are probably enough in that squad now to make sure that everyone's having a good time and that the energy is always lifted. I think I've said it a few times on the podcast before that Haaland's energy it's just it's it's unbelievable. I think Carl Walker sort of looks a little bit like a joker in the changing room, but I, I don't think it'd be missed that much without being in there and knowing the ins and outs of exactly who is the sort of the joke of the pack. I think Jack Grealish and Erling Haaland will probably fill that void well enough. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I do feel like we're in a transition stage in terms of the dressing room where you look back even from three years ago, four years ago at a squad photo and there's not really that many players left. Obviously, Edison, John Stones is another one who can really step up. But Kevin De Bruyne, a, a, apart from that, we're looking at a brand new team and, and with City, I almost feel like it happens sort of blink and you miss it with City's transitions. There isn't a bit like Liverpool where they're having seven players leave at once at the end of the season like we saw last year. There is sort of just gradually one or two here go, one or two are replaced. And, and you know, that's credit to the way City operate. Um, in terms of, of another name then that we that we should mention, um, Nathan Ake, he's not going anywhere and, and it looks like his stay in East Manchester or at least at Manchester City is going to extend even further. He's about to be uh, awarded a new contract. His current deal was set to run out in 2025, which is two summers away. That will then go beyond it. And he's going to move up into that sort of middle bracket of around 190k, 150k per week, which I think nobody can really begrudge him of that, can they, in terms of his performances? Not after last season, not at all. He was absolutely fantastic. I think, again, he's another person that so many people talk so highly of and he's probably in in the bracket of being a potential leadership group captain, vice-captain in that group for this season. Yeah. Remember watching him, I think it was two seasons ago, the Charity Shield, and I think he gave a penalty away, or I can't remember the exact what happened, but I just looked to my dad and I was like, is he going to be one of those defenders like Mangala that just all the little 50-50s always seem to go against him? He looks a little bit erratic with his defending, but this season, well, I'll say this season, last season he was he was phenomenal. You could literally, you could count on him for anything, couldn't you? You put him in that position on the left-hand side or left-back or stepping on outside Jack Grealish at times and scoring a few goals. He was just, he was brilliant and thoroughly deserves the contract extension, in my opinion. Be honest with me, did did you think he would be this important when he signed? Because obviously he, he joined from Bournemouth, who had just been relegated. I, I think, and I think the, the record still stands along with James Madison. He was, he was £40 million, which was the most a team had ever paid for a player in the championship obviously came through at Chelsea he, he was a an established Premier League defender but I, I personally never thought we'd be going into a Champions League final begging for Nathan Ake to be fit but credit to him because I, I think it was Atletico Madrid last year Adam and I spoke about it at the time and we said um, obviously due to injury but we said Nathan Ake did a fantastic job at left back even then, probably didn't see it as a as a permanent home for him. But I, I'm I'm delighted for him. I, I know there's been a few documentaries, and and I remember a scene in one of them where he was in his home and obviously playing the piano, and, and there was that touching scene. I think it was his dad passed away, and you know, you can't being a nice guy in football doesn't mean to say that you should be rewarded with a big contract and be at the best club in the world. But it is nice at the same time when your team is winning the treble. And the people who are on the pitch pulling on the shirt are genuinely, or at least they appear genuinely nice guys as well. 
Oh, yeah, definitely. I think he, he comes across like a nice guy and also someone who's, Pep loves saying it all the time, but someone who's ready to learn. He wants to listen, wants to get better. And it was it was evident like this season, he, he learned so much. He got so much better across all of his attribute, attributes. He was just developing every single week. You were like, my God, he's getting better. Heading's getting better. He was scoring goals, his passing, his distribution. And yeah, I think, yeah, fantastic. Those documentaries sort of showed him in a really nice light as well. I remember the one playing the piano and in his, I think, an apartment with his with his partner or wife as well. He just, he seems like a nice guy to have around the changing rooms, which you want, you want, you don't want these angry, annoying players that are causing problems. Like we've got a couple of them or maybe just one now that you want. Pet would probably be happy with 10, 10 Nathan Ake's in the squad in terms of a personality talks that highly of him. Who, who, who's the annoying one? <laughs> is he, um, is he Portuguese by any chance? He is, he's very tanned and he's Portuguese. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, would you keep him this season? Because I know, obviously, in the, on the back of the um, the Yokohama friendly, he put on a decent show in, and that isn't the be all and end all. But he looked happy enough. If he's in the fold, come Burnley first game of the season, you, are you going to be one of those kicking up a fuss, or is it a case of you know if Pep Guardiola says he's good enough, then then he's in the team and he stays? I think um, whatever Pep decides, I, I would back it. I think Pep will know whether he's come back into the squad and apologise for whatever happened or has got the right sort of attitude a little bit better than when he left. But if he stayed, he's certainly got a skill set that would be good for us this season, being able to play on both sides in midfield. But I don't think we should also just give him away for free. I don't think we should be just sticking him out on loan to anyone and paying his wage. He, he, could, he could serve a role at the club this season. I wouldn't be buzzing at the moment. I think we'd be better off without him, but I certainly don't think we should just stick him in the reserves or give him away to Tottenham and pay his wages. God, I can imagine him fitting in at Tottenham very well. It's a catastrophic club at the best of times. But yeah. I, I think, I don't know Cancelo's personality and we only get a glimpse into it. And obviously, when was it have been? January of this year, last season, there was, there was clearly fractures and there was clearly stuff that needed to be resolved. But I, he probably wasn't the only one causing a fuss. I think there's been plenty of reports of, of journalists coming out and saying, you know, there was three or four players. He maybe would have been the ringleader of those that were discontent. But I can imagine if you sat at home watching your teammates win the treble, and obviously he's won a Premier League before, fair enough. He's not won an FA Cup before. No, he arrived after 2019. But granted, it's not the most prestigious competition in the world. But to see your teammates of that season lifting the Champions League, the, the trophy he spoke about so openly about being the one that he wants in his career, and then having had City beat you in the in the way to doing that, I can imagine that probably humbles you a little bit. And it, it's difficult to turn up to pre-season and still have a face on, isn't it? Yeah, I, th- I think if I was in his position as well, I'm a left-back, I'm a right-back. And throughout last season, you saw players like Nathan Ake playing left-back, Bernardo Silva playing left-back, Akanji playing right-back, John Stones. You would get a little bit annoyed being like, well, how, hold on a second, I'm, I can play in both positions and I'm getting other players, multiple players getting picked ahead of me. It would be tough to keep your sort of attitude at 100%. Not everyone's got that knuckle down, Gundogan, do your work, get back in the team and, and, and do well. He obviously was one of those players that sort of saw his uh, backside a little bit and, and then couldn't pull it back round. And I think even for Portugal, you saw him on the bench in the in the World Cup. There's there's obviously problems in his, um, his, his work ethic or something that just doesn't quite sit well with a lot of managers. It's not just Pep Guardiola that's got a problem with him. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I don't know. If he stays, I'll take it. I won't be booing him. But if he leaves, I'm not going to be sad about it. 
Um, finally, then, before we move on to part two, um, just a little bit of transfer news that wasn't covered on the first show of the week. Uh, Fabrizio Romano saying that City have Michael Elise along with two other potential right wingers to replace Riyad Mahrez. Firstly, do, do you think it's necessary that um, City add another body into there? Obviously, we saw Oscar Bob did so well in that friendly against Yokohama. Colt Palmer came on. He played well. He's fresh off the back of winning the under-21 European Championships with England. But it feels a little bit young and a little bit inexperienced. And we're heading into what could be a historic campaign for City. No team has ever won four Premier League titles in a row. Do you think those two names are the sort of players you need at right wing? Or someone like Elise, he's played 50-odd games in the Premier League. I think it is for Palace. Granted, he's not the highest scorer, but he's clearly a talent. Does it need somebody like that to come in and really rejuvenate that side of the attack? I personally think we do, yeah. I think the players you spoke about there, Cole Palmer's, Phil Foden's, Bernardo Silva's, they're players that probably would be best suited playing in the central positions, Palmer especially, who had injury problems last year. I think we do need someone like your Jack Grealish that you go, that is a right winger. Everyone else will rotate in and around that player. Jack Grealish at the moment is probably a little bit light on the left-hand side. Who rotates in and out with him? I would probably like to see Elise come in. Um, I think the the price bracket's a good one. It's a city transfer, isn't it? It's a twenty one year old French international. It's it's a thirty five million pound signing rather than a hundred million pound. It sort of makes sense, I think. Upgrading or downgrading, however you want to see it, with Mares, twenty one year old, isn't he? I think, yeah, twenty one. Uh, yeah, he's in the, yeah, he's in the age. Yeah, Mares was thirty three, thirty four, was it? Like it's it, it all makes sense. I think for for City to, to to do the transfer and get it over the line, but then I've I've recently read yesterday that Chelsea have put in a bid, or is this fake Twitter news? I don't know. Who haven't Chelsea put a bid in for? That, that that's that's the real question, is it? Um, I, I I know, and I think if you're looking at Chelsea's squad, do they really need another right-sided attacker? Do they really need another attacker? Do they really need any more players? Probably not. But um, it'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see what City do with that transfer because, like, like you say, release clause. If that's to be believed as well, it, it does sort of scream what City usually go after in the market. So um, yeah, certainly one to watch. Uh, we'll call it a day there for part one join us in a moment as we switch attention to a player who left city a couple of years ago but recently had some pretty upsetting news the nfl is here and it's all about the sweet offers from DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nfl new customers can pocket 200 in bonus bets instantly when you bet just five bucks on any nfl game download the DraftKings sportsbook app now and use code field goal to sign up Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See dkng.co slash football for eligibility, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. 
Welcome back to the City Report podcast. If you haven't already, there is already one show for you to listen to this week. Adam was joined by Ollie and Ollie on Monday to discuss Gvardiol, where what the latest in that deal is and what we might expect going into the next couple of weeks of the window. Um, David, you'll be glad to know we're going to switch our attention off the transfer window just for the last sort of 15 minutes of today's show. And we're going to speak about David Silva because obviously most people would have probably heard by now it looks as if he's going to be forced into retirement after picking up an ACL injury in a pre-season friendly with Real Sociedad. Obviously, he left City in 2020, was captain for a year following Vincent Company's departure. He's probably the only City captain in recent years who didn't get to lift a Premier League trophy, just the Carabao Cup during his time as skipper. But obviously, he's got a trophy cabinet that can make most players in world football a little bit envious. Um, it, it, the, the news of his retirement has obviously brought, uh, in, in terms of a City focus, has obviously brought loads of conversations about where he ranks in terms of City's best ever. He's got a statue. He's one of the 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 the, uh, the trio along with Vincent Company and Sergio Aguero to get that. But before we get into that part, just quickly, David Silva retirement, thirty seven years old. You know he's had some innings. It's just a shame he's he hasn't got to decide when he goes out. He, he only recently signed a one year extension with Real Sociedad, indicating that he wanted to play on. I'm just gutted for the lad, to be honest with you. It's, it's quite sad. It is, yeah. For, for someone who's had such an amazing career and, and played at such a high level, to to have that sort of opportunity to to leave when you want to leave, it is a shame. I mean, he, he deserved a, a farewell that he wanted to plan out and stand innovation and all sorts. But yeah, it, it's sad for him. I, when I saw it, I think Ollie posted something. And I was like, what have I just read here? Is this true? And then I looked on mm-hmm. Twitter and saw it and I was like, oh, no, I just felt so sorry for him. You don't expect it, do you? You never think, oh, that's going to happen to a player. You just think, sign the one-year extension. He's going to have another great season. Let's watch him play in the Champions League or Europa League, wherever they were playing, and, and see him again. But yeah, I, I feel bad for him. But he has had one heck of a good career. You say that Real Sociedad qualified for the Champions League this season, and I know personally when I was looking at the groups, I was thinking perhaps maybe there was a, a rendezvous um, with David Silva in the Champions League group stage because obviously he's, he's never been back to the Etihad apart from I'm not even sure if he was at the statue unveiling, but he's certainly not had a testimonial. Perhaps this may give him the chance to, but it, I, I saw someone on Twitter saying that City should organise a testimonial event where. Sergio Aguero is the captain of one team and David Silva is the captain of the other. Would that just be like the greatest day ever if you just saw David Silva on one side, Aguero on the other side? I'm not quite sure how I'd feel them coming head to head, actually. That might be a little bit weird. But um, in terms of them actually sort of being back at City, I'm not sure who they would pick. Would they do it like they do in school and just like line 20 (laughs) City legends up at a wall and say you can can go first? That would be be a cracking, cracking way to, uh, to send them off. Oh yeah, that'd be that'll be one testimony. I'd definitely be at. It'd be unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, he deserves it. So does Aguero. It was the times they left City was was unfortunate with what was going on in the world, and they didn't quite get the farewell in front of the full crowds. But they they definitely will arrange it. I'm sure the club they've got their finger on the pulse of things like that, and he, he needs to come back. He, I think he did come back to the training ground. I think last year, then he saw Pep briefly, and he brought his little lad back in, but. He needs to come back and see the fans for sure. We, I, I definitely want to see him again, even just in his normal clothes on the pitch, waving at everyone, let alone playing football again, gracing the Etihad turf. 
Yeah, he, he was the sort of player who just, whether they were on the bench, whether they're on the pitch, he, he was just the sort of he was a person who brought happiness to to the club at a time don't forget when he joined in 2010 City had had money for a couple of years but they hadn't spent it wisely um, and that's not to knock the players who, who were playing for us you know Rocky Santa Cruz I'm thinking of you but you know the, he, he was the first sort of real time City had gone out and he, he wasn't a hidden gem he just won the World Cup with Spain and he'd won the European Championships the two years before and he'd been sort of uh, a star player for Valencia but it was it was shrewd business. It was expensive business, but it was shrewd business. And he and he went on to play four hundred and thirty six times for City. Scored seventy seven goals, one hundred and forty assists. You know, we're, we're talking about a living legend. Um, before we get on to the the, the comparison debates, because I, I know this does get heated sometimes. What was what was your favourite David Silva memory? Because, and and we'll speak about this no doubt in in a moment. But he was never the player who sort of had a number of different standout moments. You know. From what I can remember, he didn't nest. I think he maybe scored against Watford in the FA Cup, but you know, he, he never had a, a massive last minute or title defining goal. Um, I, I'm trying to, I feel like I'm rewriting his history. I'm sort of sure someone will point out, no, actually, in 2018, <laughs> he did score in quite late on. And I think there was one actually against West Ham, but you, you get my, you get my drift. Yeah, he, he wasn't, that. he wasn't the moments man, but at the same time, there were so many fantastic memories of him in a city shirt. Yeah, he, he was always the supporting artist, wasn't he, that, that propped everyone else up, the Yaya Torre moments in the cup finals and the semi-finals and stuff. But it, it's quite tough to think of a, a special one. The one that always like comes out in my mind is the one that gets repeated all the time. It's that pass against Man United <laughs> uh, when Dzeko goes through and puts in the, the fifth or the sixth, I can't remember which one it is. But that technique, it, it's, it's just unbelievable, isn't it? Like at Old Trafford as well. And for, I wasn't there, but... I mean, I must have seen it on TV 300 times, to be honest with you. Um, I think he scored one goal as well against, it might have been Hull, where he's, he's, he's faked a shot about 20 times and then bent it in the corner. It's like little moments like that, that they're not they're not going to make the goal of the season on match of the day. But when you watch them back and you think he, he used to do that week in, week out, didn't always score the goals. He didn't always like shooting, did he? But when he did do it, it was it was fantastic. I'd pop, but yeah, I'd probably say that Man United pass for me. What about you? Yeah, I'm going to go. Um, that's the thing as well. There, there are so many different ones to, to pick through. I'm not, I'm not going to necessarily say a moment in terms of a goal, but his entire season, I think it was 2017-18, the Centurion season, when he dropped into midfield alongside De Bruyne and alongside Fernandinho. That three-man midfield, I'm, I'm, I think is only probably going to be and this is a bold statement, but David Silva, De Bruyne, Rodri is a three-man midfield, which I think is only going to be compared to, or is going to only going to be able to be compared to City's treble-winning midfield, but mm-hmm. also Barcelona in 2010 with Chavi Busquets and Iniesta. That is the level and the sort of the technical ability we're speaking about in that three-man midfield. So to see him evolve his game, Guardiola came in obviously immediately dropped him down into midfield, having been a sort of a tricky technical but not necessarily productive winger for most of his time at City. Um, and that leads us nicely, then, David, on to the final question of today's show. And it, and it is we we can't speak about David Silva without having this conversation. A little bit like the Messi versus Ronaldo debate, but where where does he rank in the list of Manchester City all time greats? And and I'll give you some names that you can perhaps uh, sort of sift through if you like, or if your mind isn't made up already. Vincent Company, 
pretty good. Colin Bell before our time, but again, a, a legend. Kevin De Bruyne, Sergio Aguero. Is he above them? Is he first of all? Is he right to be in the conversation with them? I assume the answer is a quick one, and it's a yes. But you know, does he does he eclipse those names that I've just mentioned for you? I I personally say he's the best. He's the best and my favourite. Both, I think, the the two players that stand out to me. Well, th- the three on there that you mentioned are Vincent Company, Sergio Aguero, and Kevin De Bruyne. Uh, absolute legends of Man City. However, I always caveat them all with a, a small but, which they often spend quite a bit of time injured, all three of them. They have all been slightly inconsistent. David Silva put in a, a seven and a half, eight, eight and a half, nine every game he played for Man City. And I think he had one stint out with a bad ankle, maybe for City and played to that whole period where his young lad was ill in Spain and he was travelling back and forth. And I think his consistency puts him at the top for me personally. And I, I, the day he left, I was so sad. But at the same time, I was just so happy for him. Like when other players have left, I've been sad, but I was equally happy for him because I was like, well, you can do whatever you want because I like you that much. <laughs> He's my favourite player of all time. So yeah, I, I rank him at the top. Um, but them names are they're difficult to beat, aren't they? It, yeah, it's not a bad conversation to be having. Uh, don't get me wrong, when I was growing up with the likes of Antoine Sibieski and <laughs> Kiki Musampa um, as City's best players, I never thought we'd be having this debate as sort of the world's best alongside City's best. I, I personally, and, and and that's that's the debate you, you boiled it down to. I think that we we can we can. Colin Bell, obviously, neither of us really got a proper way to appreciate, and we've only been told stories. And it was before the advent of social media, so we, there wasn't the the clips and the compilations that obviously do the round nowadays. So uh, I'm going to push him to one side, and I'm not to discount his brilliance, but I don't really get a, a, a real say into it because I, I never got to properly watch him. But I boil it down to David Silva versus Kevin De Bruyne. Vincent Company, incredible, but like you say, injuries hampered his career. Mm-hmm. Similarly with Sergio Aguero, actually, it'd been interesting to see. He's always the player, if I say, if you if you could sort of eliminate injuries from a player's career, it's always Aguero, because I'd have loved to have seen him have a proper shot at the, the Premier League all-time record. Obviously, Thierry Henry, Alan Shearer, etc., are in the conversation of the greats of all time, Premier League strikers. I think Aguero's above them, but he could have really solidified that. But it's it's De Bruyne versus David Silva in terms of City's all-time great. And I think it's whether you you appreciate more the 8s out of 10s, the 9 out of 10s every week mm-hmm. or with De Bruyne. And I have to say, I have to admit, for me, it is it is De Bruyne. I, I love the 15 out of 10s. He may, be, he may be terrible in most of that game, it has to be said, but he can pop up with a moment and... The, the one of the best and one of the most recent ones actually was the the goal at the Bernabeu in um, in the Champions League semi final where obviously you know you speak about Matteo and David Silva's son it appears Kevin De Bruyne or at least we know Kevin De Bruyne was going through uh, a difficult personal time as well he, he breaks down in tears on the Bernabeu pitch and, and I think with De Bruyne he just has so many different moments like that in his catalogue which when he retires I don't know I feel like he'll, he'll supersede him but but with David Silva for me it, it gave this generation of City fans a Colin Bell to idolise because obviously we all grew up on the stories of Bell, Lee, Francis Lee etc but it, it gave a player it gave us a player who we could look and we could adore and we could real really see the artistry of of the way he played football and, and I think that's truly how he should be and, and probably will be remembered for City. 
100% you've 100% right on all of it to be honest with you. <laughs> I think the Bruyne's highlight reel will be absolutely phenomenal versus David Silva's it, it won't be I think the only caveat to that I'd say is I, I could quite easily be swayed to Kevin De Bruyne don't get me wrong but I think I remember it might have been last season or the season before having a chat with you boys and it was like we were like Kevin De Bruyne finished and like his his ups and downs are so drastic that I think I am slightly on the fence of that level of consistency wins it for me. But then when you you pose your argument about Kevin De Bruyne, I'm like, well, yeah, 100% De Bruyne is the best because his catalogue of, I mean, his two Player of the Year awards and the goals he scored that just jump out into your head, the half folly against Newcastle, his, his screamers, his passes and all sorts that his highs are probably far superior than David Silver's. But I mean... Stick his statue next to David Silver's and I'm happy. <laughs> That's the thing, isn't it? We've been absolutely spoiled. And, and John Ashley, actually, of this of this parish, summed it up perfectly for me over the weekend when we were discussing this. He, he said David Silver's probably the best player to ever play for City in terms of technical ability. But Kevin De Bruyne is the greatest in terms of those moments, in terms of those sort of club-defining moments alongside sort of career-defining moments as well, personally speaking. And, and I think that's probably a nice place to finish today's episode. We've got one more of the week to come. We'll be with you on Friday, hopefully, speaking about uh, a little bit of movement in the transfer window, be that outgoings or incomings as well, and the final quarterfinal of the John Stones Paint Trophy. So keep your ears peeled for that. But in the meantime, I'm David, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Good to have you back on the rodeo, and hopefully, we'll see you soon. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys, and I'll be back soon. That's it from us today. If you haven't already, please hit follow, hit subscribe. You can check out all our social media at City Report Pod. Until next time, we'll see you later. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end of season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running. And just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.